Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Our first Sunday of 2024. That's pretty cool. So, as 2024 begins, we're going to begin a new sermon series on the book commonly called Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, which means we'll be spending quite a bit of time in that book of Acts as we begin 2024. And I even encourage you to read the book of Acts if you're, if you're wanting to sort of familiarize yourself with the story as we preach on it. Feel free to read the book of Acts, begin reading it throughout 2024, or I mean throughout these first months of 2024 as you wish. Um, some people read things repeatedly, you know, as you're, if you're wanting to really familiarize yourself with God's word and get the most out of it, reading it more than once is valuable. As a boy, I, the first book I can recall reading and then rereading and then rereading so many times that uh, the hard copy the hardcover copy that I had got tattered and the binding started to tear because I was opening and closing that book so many times. I was just a boy. It wasn't a book in the Bible. It was The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Uh, that, was, that was the book I, the first book I remember reading and rereading and rereading. I still have that hard copy in my home to remind me of uh, what got me started reading. I love reading. It was basically the story of a disobedient boy who becomes a hero, even surprising himself in doing so. And maybe that's why it appealed to me, because I was a fairly disobedient boy who I would have loved to have been a hero if I could have been. Just the other day, my wife and I were talking about my first job which was when I was 11 years old. I got my first job delivering flyers as an 11-year-old. This was in Michigan where I grew up. I, I was born in Canada but grew up in Michigan. And she was surprised to learn as I told her about that first job that I cheated my first employer as an 11-year-old. I cheated the employer. I, I honestly did. There were, there were some weeks where I would sit on the curb and I would stuff those flyers into the drain. <laughs> And they would just float away. And I would get paid for putting them down the drain. And Fiona was shocked. She was just like you. Some of you said, what? She, she couldn't believe that I would do such a thing. Decades later, I actually tried to pay them back. I mean, I was living in Winnipeg at the time, but I tried to contact them to pay them back. I couldn't find the company. In fact, I think they went bankrupt. And I hope it wasn't because of what I did when I was 11 years old. I then told Fiona some other ways I'd been intentionally quite disobedient as a boy, much like Tom Sawyer. And if I were to tell you the details I told Fiona, I'd be quite embarrassed by it. I don't want to trouble you with those details. But I was never able to add something to my story about becoming a hero. I was just that disobedient little boy getting into trouble. But the book of Acts is filled with amazing stories about disobedient people, people who had been disobedient, people who had been failures in their lives, but who God used to do heroic things. Despite their faults, God used them. Peter and Paul being prime examples of people who had failed God, who were disobedient to God, 
but who God chose to use. And I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about him using them for far greater adventures than the adventures of Tom Sawyer. Acts is a book of stories about ordinary people being used by God to do great things for God. It's officially called the Acts of the Apostles. And it contains adventures that include miracles and martyrs, stonings, riots, shipwrecks, lives being transformed, and the world being forever changed. A famous preacher once said of the book of Acts, live in that book. I exhort you, it is a tonic, the greatest tonic I know of in the realm of the Spirit. So we're going to live in the book of Acts, wait for it, for most of 2024. We're going to dwell there. We're going to soak it up. And we're going to get the most out of these adventures that we read about where God used ordinary people to do extraordinary things by His Spirit. Now, there are some who say this book could have been given a better title than the Acts of the Apostles. Because God used the Holy Spirit to use these men, there's been suggestions that why not call this book the Acts of the Holy Spirit? Because this book contains exciting references to the promise, the gift, the outpouring, the baptism, the fullness, the power, the witness, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But as exciting as that is, and it is exciting that the Holy Spirit was so prominent in the book of Acts, we don't want to miss the fact that the Holy Spirit used ordinary people like us to accomplish those extraordinary things. To call it the book of the Holy Spirit neglects to highlight that God used people like us to do the adventures we see in that book. So it's been suggested that a longer, more accurate title would be the book of the continued doing and teaching of the living Christ by the Holy Spirit through his body, which is the church. (laughs) That kind of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Well, we're not going to call it that. I've decided to suggest a new and shorter title for this sermon series and for our study of the book of Acts. The Adventures of Acts. That is going to be our sermon series this year, The Adventures of Acts. But the subtitle is How Jesus Uses Ordinary People to Change the World. Because as much as there's emphasis on the Holy Spirit, we can't forget that this book starts and ends with Jesus. Jesus sending his disciples out and Jesus being proclaimed. Jesus is the main character of the book of Acts. So the subtitle is How Jesus Uses Ordinary People to Change the World. So we're going to begin by reading verses 1 to 8. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The first words in these adventures of Acts refers to another book. It says in the first book, it was generally agreed that the writer of this book was a doctor named Luke, who also wrote a detailed account of Jesus' life that we call the Gospel of Luke. And that's because at the very beginning of that book, the Gospel of Luke, uh, which is also included in the Bible, Luke wrote to the same man, Theophilus, that we see referred to here. He says there at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. And now, Luke is, sent, is sending Theophilus a second scroll, and it starts... With the words, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So this strongly suggests that this is a continuing adventure. He says all that Jesus began to do and teach. In other words, Jesus isn't finished. (laughs) Jesus isn't finished. It's a continuing adventure. When I was in college, Bible college... I got a little bored at one point. I, I had four years there, so there were plenty of opportunities to get bored at some point or another. And, and I, 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 I somehow ended up with a piece of paper where I drew a snail on this piece of paper. A, a large, full scap sheet of paper like this size. I drew a snail on it. And I thought, hey, that's, that's a pretty good snail. And I decided, I wrote a heading across the top saying, Sid the Snail. <laughs> and then on the bottom I wrote, The Adventure continues <laughs> as if snails had adventures and so I thought this was so good Sid the snail the adventure continues I, I photocopied a couple dozen copies of it and I put them all over the campus <laughs> late at night when nobody was watching nobody, I lived on campus so I was able to do this in the middle of the night and so when people got up in the morning or when people were going to classes they'd see these signs everywhere Sid the snail the adventure continues and this little snail kind of creeping or whatever snails do across the page well anyway I left those up for a few days and then I drew another picture of a snail that had obviously been crushed obviously been stepped on it was all broken up and, and it said Sid the snail the adventure is over. <laughs> and I put those up all over in the middle of the night. And, well, the truth is, the, that adventure of Sid the Snail didn't get too many people on campus too excited. <laughs> I don't remember too many people even talking about it. It was a, it was a really stupid idea. <laughs> but I did it anyway. And uh, that adventure Luke wrote about, about the story of Jesus never ended it was never over it's far from over even today and even though Jesus was crushed for our iniquities he didn't stay in the grave 
He died, but he was resurrected so that he could continue the adventure he began. As Luke said, what Jesus began to do and teach continues. It's a continuing adventure. There's more for Jesus to do and teach because Jesus is no longer dead. Jesus is very much alive. In fact, Luke made sure to emphasize what Jesus did to convince people. He says, by many proofs. You know, we think in 2024, we're so rational, and the people of Bible times were so irrational. They believed in miracles. They believed in resurrections. Like, come on. Well, even the people in Jesus' day, even the people in Bible times, needed convincing proofs. It wasn't easy for them to believe in a Savior that had been raised from the dead. So it's not like we invented rationalism. They were struggling to believe this. And so Jesus came back from the dead. And for 40 days, he moved about among people. He spent time with people. He ate with people. He spoke to them for 40 days, offering many convincing proofs that I am alive. This tells us that Jesus, when Jesus presented himself alive, that we can... He's, to, to this day, presenting himself alive to people. But by his spirit, by sending his spirit to open our eyes, to open our spiritual eyes to see and understand who he is and what he's done. Let's not be envious of Jesus' disciples from those days who were able to spend time physically with the resurrected Jesus who was, because he was speaking to them and sharing with them day by day for 40 days. Let's not be envious of that because... We're not limited to just 40 days. And Jesus says himself, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. To this day, we can hear Jesus' voice. To this day, we can hear instruction from him. We can be guided by him, not just for 40 days, but for a lifetime. The adventure continues. It's not just for those 40 days. That means the book of Acts is an ongoing adventure that Jesus is still directing until he returns, which he will do. There's a 19th century scholar who wrote long ago, the records of these acts of the Holy Ghost have never reached completeness. This is the one book of the Bible which has no proper close. It's continuing. And we're a part of it. As we worship this morning, we're not gathering to worship a dead leader. We worship in the presence of the living Lord who who continues to accomplish his purposes in this world. A great preacher named G. Campbell Morgan wrote, We gather about the living Christ, whose touch still has its ancient power, the thrill of communion with whom by the Spirit is the flame that inspires us to new endeavors, the inspiration of whose love within our heart draws us to sacrificial service. The living Jesus wants to live in you. And speak to you and guide you, direct you into new adventures that continue and continue until he comes again. The gospel of Luke is about what Jesus began to teach. But the adventures of Acts are what he continued to teach and does so to this day. So I want to ask you a question. 
What has Jesus been teaching you lately as you begin 2024? If he began to do and teach then, and he continues to do and teach now, then surely he has something he wants to teach each one of us in 2024. I believe he does. I believe he's already begun and is already in the midst of trying to teach each one of us different things. What has he been teaching you? What has he been teaching you as you read his word, which we call the Bible? I read this almost every day. I can't honestly with integrity say I read it every single day, but I, I read this almost every day because God speaks to me through his word, the Bible. What has he been calling you to do beyond what he's called you to do in the past? He's called you before, but maybe he's calling you to something new today or tomorrow or later on this year. These are important questions if you believe that Jesus is alive. These are important questions if you believe that Jesus continues to do and to teach today, not just then. These are important questions if you consider Jesus to be your king in a kingdom that you belong to. If we're a part of his kingdom and he's our king, we want to pay attention to his instructions and follow his commands. What is he teaching you in these days? Jesus wants to continue to accomplish his will in this world, and he does so by teaching his followers what it means to follow him. He doesn't want us to serve him on autopilot, deaf, deaf to what he may be saying to us from day to day, deaf to how he wants to continue to teach us and to lead us. So as we begin looking at the adventures of Acts, I'd like to suggest that God has adventures for you. Whatever your age, whatever your background, he has adventures for you to participate in that you can only experience if you're willing to let Jesus continue to do and teach you in your life this year. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not seeking him regularly, it's more difficult for him to teach us. It's more difficult for us to hear him. So spend time with him. Seek him. As we approach a season of two weeks of prayer and fasting, it's going to start, as David said, on January 17th. It's going to start on a Wednesday. It's going to end on a Wednesday. For those three Wednesday evenings, we're going to have prayer meetings. And you can gather. The first one and the last one will be in person at my house. And I'm just bracing for whether we're going to have to put people on all three levels of a split-level home because there will be so many of us in there. I don't care. That will be exciting. As long as nobody falls out the window and, you know, that story in Acts there where Paul is teaching and someone falls out the window. We'll get to that later as we preach through the book of Acts. But I would love for you to gather with us in prayer. Let's seek the Lord during this prayer and fasting. Let's ask Jesus, what do you have to teach me for this year? What do you want me doing for you this year? Let's not just assume that what we've heard in the past is what he wants in the future. He, he always wants to keep refreshing what we're learning. So it's a continuing adventure, but it's also a bigger adventure. Luke made it clear that the adventures and acts were big. Just as the words all that Jesus began to do and teach suggest a continuing adventure, 
so also the words, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, suggest a bigger adventure that includes many more followers than just the 11 people he was speaking to here and includes the whole world in its scope. But quite honestly and quite sadly, a bigger adventure doesn't always appeal to everyone. Some people just don't get excited about that. In fact, they find that a little threatening. For example, I graduated from Bible college and promptly started going to Gateway Church when it was in a different location. And I got two jobs, two waiter jobs. One was in the evening, one was at lunch. And I started saving my money for a car stereo for my rattle box of a car, a Dodge Omni. Now, if you think a Dodge Omni deserves a $1,000 stereo, you're wrong. It doesn't. But I wanted a $1,000 stereo in my little Dodge Omni. And I started saving. And then I got this phone call from my missions pastor, my old missions pastor from when I was in Bible college. And he says, Ken, hey, there's this opportunity in Sudan. And as soon as he said that, I thought, I know why he's calling me. He's, he's going to ask me to go to Sudan. And I let him say his piece. And I had no interest in going to Sudan. He told me all about this need. It was an emergency need. It wasn't just an everyday average need. It was an emergency. And they needed someone now. And I said, he asked me if I'd pray about it. And I said, no. I I literally said, no, I won't pray about it. Well, I see some shocked looks out there. He was shocked too. And he said, said, Ken, I I mean, won't you at least pray about it? I said, well, well, Dr. Bunk, I've been praying, and I've been praying about my life and my plans for my life, and, and, and I already feel like I know what God has planned, and I already, I've already, you know, I already know what I, what, what I want to do. I asked stereo for my car. <laughs> I didn't mention that to Dr. Bunk. So anyway, he, he appealed to me. I could just tell he was aghast. Like, look, I thought I taught you something while you were here. Would you please just pray about it? So I said, okay, I'll pray about it. I finally agreed to pray about it. Well, little did I know that he was going to be praying too. And as I prayed about it, he's going to get back to me a week later. Throughout that week, as that week went on, I started started the week thinking, God, why can't you find somebody else? And by the end of the week, I was feeling like, God, I want to go. I changed in a week. And when I called him back a week later, he called me, I don't remember. I said, okay, I'm in, I'm in. Let's do this. And I went to Sudan for it, and it was a life-changing year. But obviously you can see that the adventures of Acts, being a far bigger adventure, doesn't always get people excited. Sudan was a big adventure. It didn't get me excited. I had my plans. I had my preferences. I had my distractions. We all have our own ideas of what we want in life. And sometimes when God suggests something bigger for us to do, we think, oh, hold on, God. That, that's a little threatening. That, that's going to cost me something. That's going to cost me some time. That's going to cost me some money. That's going to cost me some energy. God, I don't think I want to sign up for that. But usually our plans or preferences or ideas are much smaller than God's. And usually have a much, well, not usually, always have a much smaller impact than God's plans for our lives. So wouldn't you want to live the bigger 
God plans that have a bigger impact on this world? I hope so. God doesn't call us all to Sudan, but he does call us all in some way to obey. And it's not always what we expect. For example, Dr. Paul Mumokisao, I I think I'm pronouncing that right, Eddie's from Kenya. Dr. Paul Mumokisao, he's a professor at the Nairobi International School of Theology points out that the the 11 apostles were a bit confused in this passage that I just read. If you've got the passage in front of you, you can see they asked Jesus a question. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were revealing their misunderstanding about the nature of the kingdom of God, which was a major focus of Jesus' teaching. You can almost imagine Jesus' disappointment. (laughs) Like, you guys still don't get it? I just been raised from the dead and you don't get it. Oh dear. Well, Jesus is infinitely patient. And one of the purposes of the adventures of Acts is to clarify and to reveal what Jesus meant by the kingdom of God. Dr. Kissau writes, he writes this, with Jesus alive and the Holy Spirit coming in power, what possible reason could there be for any further delay to establish God's kingdom right then and there with themselves installed as the ministers of this kingdom? Because remember, just days ago, John and his brother James had been arguing over who gets to sit beside Jesus in his kingdom. I mean, They, they were eager for this. Dr. Kissau goes on to say that these 11 men were right that God would have no problem establishing his kingdom at this time, but their perspective on the type of kingdom God wanted to set up was still far too narrow. They were still limiting the kingdom of God to Israel, while Jesus' worldview encompasses the whole world. Well, all you need to do is look around this room to see that the gospel has been reaching the, the whole world. It's been, it's, for centuries, it's been spreading. And I don't even know how many cultures are represented in this room. So after correcting his disciples by stressing that God the Father is in charge of things, the timing of God's kingdom, and Jesus God's Son is promising them God the Holy Spirit, who would give them the power to take God's kingdom beyond anything they could ever imagine, we realize that this is a plan that is so big, it requires every member of the Godhead, who we call the Trinity. They didn't even know what the Trinity was in those days. They didn't use that word. That word doesn't appear in the Bible. But they did talk about Jesus being God. They talked about the Holy Spirit being God. And they talked about Father being God. And in this little tiny passage at the beginning of Acts, all three are mentioned as being needed for this plan to come about. This adventure is so big, it requires the entirety of the Godhead, the entirety of the Trinity being involved. So I want to revisit that question I asked you. What do you want to teach me and lead me in in 2024? And to ask, is, is what you feel God leading you in, is what God teaching you so big that you know you need God the Father and God the Son 
and God the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. You can't do it on your own. Is it something you can do by your own smarts as you just check in with God from time to time? Oh yeah, yeah, I'll just, I'll just talk to God once in a while, but I already know what I want to do today, tomorrow, this year. Or are we ready to say, God, I, wanna, I want you to reveal to me something so big that you want to use me to do that I can't do it without you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, a question like that can be a little intimidating because it can feel like as if God's calling you to save the whole world. Like, like what, what are you talking about, Pastor Ken? Are you saying it's got to be so big that it's got to be something? I've got to go to another country. I've got to leave Canada. I've got to, I've got to save the world. Well, before you think about it too much, think about this. The stories of the adventures of Acts, including these first eight verses, reveal to us that Luke's primary concern was people's salvation. Simple. People's salvation. That is, that, in fact, Howard Marshall, who is a theologian I really respect, wrote that salvation is the central motif in Lucan theology, and the spread of salvation throughout the world is his central concern in the book of Acts. Salvation. Simple. Salvation. Now, Jesus said that best when he summed that up by simply saying, love your neighbor. That's it. This idea of the salvation of the world starts with our neighbor. Love your neighbor. Mother Teresa was famous for her care for multitudes of people who lived in poverty in India. And yet it was said, and I quote, faced with the mass of starving and dying people, she does not see a crowd, but simply a starving or dying person. Only one. Mother Teresa said, I never care for a crowd, only for one person. If I visualize the crowd, I would never get started. The important thing is the individual. I believe in a person-to-person approach. We begin with the people in our lives, and then we offer self, the offer to salvation expands to others as God leads us to others. The Gospel of Luke makes it clear that what God wants anyone included in the salvation he offers Because in the Gospel of Luke, he emphasizes God's love for the poor, the sick, for children, for women. You might be surprised, why would I include women? Because in those days, women were considered lower class. They weren't even worthy to be counted as a witness in a trial, in a court of law. And, And yet, Luke emphasizes the value of the women and the children, the sinful, the outcast, even the hated races of the Samaritans and the Gentiles. In fact, Luke was the only Gentile author in the whole part of the Bible that is written after Jesus walked the earth, the New Testament. And then the adventures in Acts... Luke traces the progress of the good news from the capital of the, the Jewish people to the capital of the Gentile people. He watched from the beginning of the book of Acts to the end of the book of Acts how the gospel spread across the known world at that time. I'm sure that Jesus described these adventures as going to the ends of the earth, meaning as he described it to his disciples, they would have been wide-eyed. They would have been like, what is he talking about? Going to the ends of the earth. 
It's a mission to reach the world. And that's why we need God's spirit to accomplish it. But to start, we start with the person right in front of us. Just as Mother Teresa didn't start with a crowd, we don't start with the whole world. We start with our neighbor. Jesus didn't say, love the world. He said God loves the world. He told us to love our neighbor. One person, and then maybe a second person, and then maybe a third, as God leads us to people or leads people into our lives. That's all it is. But those salvations of just the one person or the second person, the the few people that we were reaching out to, they'll never be saved without the help of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we talk about this adventure being big, the salvation of one person is so big, it can't be accomplished without God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit helping us. We need God. We can't reason people into the kingdom. We need to pray them into the kingdom and and show them the love of Christ so that they're attracted to the kingdom. That's big. And that's so big we need God's help to do it. And that's what God is calling us to in 2024. People, you all have neighbors. You all have unsaved friends, family members, workmates who need Jesus. I'd encourage you to do this. Strike up spiritual conversations in simple ways like, hey, I'd love to pray for you about what you just shared. Thanks for sharing. You just introduced a spiritual topic to a conversation. And when you do that, some people will lean in as if, oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for praying. And when someone responds by sort of leaning in, when you talk about something spiritual like prayer, you know that this person could be spiritually receptive and start loving on them and start reaching them and ask God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to help you so that they can be saved. That is the message, the central priority of the book of Acts. Simply seeking and seeing the salvation of the person right in front of you. So, it's a continuing adventure because God is eager to direct you each day as you seek him so that Jesus can continue to do his work in this world through you. And it's a bigger adventure because God is calling you to do for him what you will need his Holy Spirit to accomplish. And it has to do with the salvation of people God will lead you to. So, this question I asked at the beginning of the message What have you sensed Jesus has been teaching you lately as we begin 2024? I don't want us to be sort of lazy in our thinking, not really aware of what Jesus may be teaching us. So I want us to give this some thought. And I'd like us to get into some little groups like we've done in the past. We haven't done this for a while. We didn't do it a whole lot in December. But if you're brand new to Gateway, we have a little custom that we sometimes do where we get into little groups of four or five or six people. I usually say four or five or six, and then people disobey me, and they get into groups of eight or ten. <laughs> let's aim for four or five or six, and let's, let's answer this question. What have you sensed Jesus has been teaching you lately? As we, just If you feel comfortable sharing that in a group, then let's share with one another, and let's just 
encourage one another that Jesus is continuing the adventure today. He's still speaking and teaching and directing into the bigger adventure he has for us.